I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. And welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of the 5.5 Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou. It has been an up-and-down emotional roller coaster this past week, Eric. It really has, man. Those Dodgers series, or those uh. Dodgers games, man, killed me. Absolutely killed me. Because they, there's there's a reality. Like, I, I just watched um, Avengers Endgame, and they were talking about the, what, the 14 million yeah. uh, possible conclusions. Yeah. There's a lot of conclusions that ended with us getting a sweep in that series. Yes, quite a few, in fact. But they didn't. No, they, they did went not. one and one and two in that series, and dude, it absolutely killed me watching the bullpen blow the games. Basically, Friday's game and Saturday's game were the exact same. Like yeah. they mirrored each other in how they lost. Like first five innings, uh, starter runs out of gas. Maybe third time through the lineup, he starts to get hit. They bring in the pen. The pen shits the bed. You bring in Kirby Yates in a non-save situation, back-to-back nights. Guess what? Doesn't work. Shocker. And you lose two out of three. So thank God they won that game on Sunday. Yeah, they had to do it in walkout fashion, though. And you can't you can't bank on that. Because no. I, I like Hunter Renfro as much as the next guy. But you can't expect him to keep coming up and hitting these clutch home runs every single time out. At some point, you know, he's going to regress to what he always is. And that's a high-power High strikeout machine. So yeah, I mean, we were we were sitting there and uh, we have games on Sundays. We play every Sunday. Everyone knows adult baseball. Um, we're sitting there in the dugout and I hear, "Hey guys!" Well, first of all, like a few a couple innings before, I hear five four Dodgers. I'm like, "God damn it!" Because I knew that the Padres had like a four run lead. Um, and then I hear later on, they're like, "Oh hey, by the way, guys, uh, base is juiced, no one out." And I'm like, "Well shit, we're in the dugout right now. I'm gonna watch the rest of the game on my phone." Yep. So I'm watching the game on my phone and I'm sitting there and. And uh, Mejia comes up, and I'm like, let's go. Come on. I'm like, now's my chance. Uh, Mejia doesn't get the job done. And I, I forget, it, it escapes me who else came up. Fran Mill, I, I believe it was. No, I don't remember. Whoever. Um, whoever else couldn't get the job done. Oh, Greg Garcia. Greg Garcia oh. struck out. Uh, Mejia hit a fly ball, an infield fly. And then up comes Hunter Renfro. And we end our inning in the game. And I'm still sitting there. I'm like, all right, our pitcher's going to warm up. I have a little bit of time. And then I'm like, who, let's see who's coming up. And I see it's Hunter Renfro. And I'm like, well, Hunter Renfro's up. This game's over. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't mean in a good way. It's just funny what that would imply. <laughs> it, ended, it ended up being Hunter Renfro is up. This Either game or is you were over. Correct. Yeah, it ended up like, this game is over. Yeah. And I thought, this game is over. You know what I mean? So I was right, but I was wrong. And, dude, I was sitting there, and, and they're like, Eric, we're about to start. So I'm like, all right. So I have my phone in my glove, and I'm walking out towards first base, just waddling over there. And I'm watching, and then all of a sudden, I see Renfro make connection, and I lose my shit. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on as I was trotting my sorry self to right field. I start jumping up and down. I start screaming, and everyone in the other dugout, even they're like, what's going on? I'm like, Hunter Renfro, walk off Grand Slam. And the other dugout started cheering. Our guys started cheering. The whole field went nuts, man. So... Man, Hunter Renfro, people were cheering at places that he probably had no idea. Yeah. So an entire baseball field full of people and, and both dugouts were cheering for that walk-off slam. It was it was insane, dude. It was insane. It was elated a scene. Yes. It was an elated <laughs> scene. Elated scene. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it capped off what was a very frustrating uh, weekend. I said this on the way to the field when we were walking into our game yesterday because Manny Machado really shined. Oh, in this time. series. I mean, he was the fucking man yeah. in this series. Offensively, defensively. And and I made it a point to tell you on the way to the dugout, um, it's like Manny is your cool-ass friend who has dope game with the ladies, and he just sets up the prettiest girl for you on a tee, but you're a basement-dwelling virgin, and you can't close the deal. That's exactly what it felt like with the Padres all weekend. They were right there, right there. They had to lead each and every game. Gave it to the bullpen, and the bullpen just blew it. And thank God we had to walk it off yesterday. But it's so frustrating, and I think the biggest, most frustrating thing about it is that <laughs> it was extremely humbling to play the Dodgers. Did you say dope-ass game? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Indeed, I did. I told you this yesterday. I'm thinking of you saying dope-ass game. I'm thinking of you saying flying farts. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't, the math doesn't compute for me. It's now. okay. It's okay. Yeah. I, I, I surprise you every now and then. But, I mean, would, would you How agree? How do you, fellow kids? <laughs> How are you, fellow kids? I'm not that old, am I? No. I'm still, like, another 5, 10 years off of Kinsler, I think. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, would you agree? Like, it's it's frustratingly humbling when you play the Dodgers because somebody said it when we were like, when they said, oh, they came back and we we're in the dugout yesterday. It's like, God damn, these Dodgers have so many damn weapons. It's like, you know, Max Muncy, I think, was coming off the bench the last couple games because, you know, he, he doesn't hit against lefties. You know, Chris Taylor hasn't hit all year. Right. And all of a sudden he's mashing us. It's like, they're so deep and versatile and have so many different players at so many different positions that can just kill us. Like, you know, Austin Barnes isn't hitting, but it comes against the Padres and all of a sudden, like, oh, you put him in that, you put a good player in a position to succeed and, you know, it just is what it is. And it's frustrating because it reminds you, like, yeah, this Padre team's pretty good. They have a chance. They have a puncher's chance at uh, not just a 500 record, but they have a puncher's chance at the NL wild card. But the Dodgers are just on another level. Unfortunately, yeah, but see, like I look at the series and I'm like, I'm disappointed because they lost two out of three. But there's also things to be encouraged about. Like they didn't see Paddock. No, they um, didn't. Tatis was out, and like I'm not sure. HJ was like, hey, like that's a loser mentality. Don't say, hey, at least it was close. But I feel like considering the circumstances, the Padres showed out pretty well in that se- in that series. I mean, they're yeah. they're one they're one dominant reliever away from. Taking two out of three, if not sweeping that series. See, I could argue that even with the dominant reliever, because the the difference I see with the Padres and the Dodgers is that the Padres' starting nine is pretty strong. Like they have some versatility because they can put Margot, who's probably their best defensive outfielder right now. Um, you know, they can run Renfro and Myers out there. Like they have some versatility there. I really like Ty France. I've loved Ty France so far. What I've seen of him, um, so they have a pretty decent. I think a bench core of like France and Garcia would be pretty solid. But even with that other reliever, like, you'd have to basically have three or four guys who are just lights-out relievers. You have to make it like a five- or six-inning game. And the Dodgers are so deep on the bench where they have guys who, like, Chris Taylor would start for this team. Right. If we had Chris Taylor, he'd probably be our starting, he'd either be our they starting. They would find a spot for him. Yeah, he'd either be at second base or he'd be in left field. Or right. center field, really, because he's better than Margot. So, you know, he would start here. Verdugo would start here. Muncie would start here. Like, and these are guys that are not playing. Uh, Kike Hernandez would probably start here. These are guys who are not playing every single day, and they're kind of used in ways where they're getting two or three at-bats a game on average. They're just kind of plugged in and mixed and matched. And when I think about that and think about, like, the Padres, they have a pretty good starting core, and they get kind of thin when you get to the roster spot, like when you get to the bench, right? Like, So even with that extra reliever, I don't think it bridges. I think if you had Tatis out there and Paddock would have thrown, yeah. But you can't Paddock throw every day. And right. I love Tatis, but he's replacing Ty France, who's really good right now. It's not like France sucks, you know. But um, they didn't see Strom either. No, they didn't see Strom, and I, and I do think that does that does matter to a point. But I still think that this series, if nothing else, just from a, a the because once you get out of the start, the starters did fine. It's not like the starters got blown up and then that was it. You know, it, it became bullpen games because the starters did well. And we tried to bridge it to the bullpen, and there was no bridge to get that lead um, towards the end of the game to bring Yates or like I feel like we have Yates or Stammen, and it's just like throw anybody out there, hope they can throw strikes and keep the lead. Because like I have no faith in Wing. I like Winginter, but he didn't throw enough strikes. Like Warren is whatever. I don't even know if Loop's still there. Um, <laughs> I think he's hurt. Yeah, but I mean it, it's just you know I I have no faith outside of those two guys, and I think when you look at how much weapons the Dodgers have coming off the bench compared to our bench. Um, I, I don't think like one more high leverage reliever would do the trick. I still think that the Dodgers are still a little too deep um, from a, a roster standpoint, and that we're just we're still one more like I think year away. I think next year will be a little bit better. But well, yeah, yeah. I mean, no one no one yeah. has ever really thought that this was going to be our year. Anyways. Oh no, no, absolutely not. I, I feel like Dodger fans also they can see the writing on the wall. Oh yeah, they know they fear and, us. And, My yeah. uncle being a prime example. Yeah, and, and we're <laughs> we're talking about the uh, you know we're talking about the bullpen and everything, and and we're going to get to um, you know a, a pitcher, a young man that made his debut here recently. Uh, what that does to rotation, what that could possibly do to the bullpen. But I, I want to stick on this Dodger series um, first and foremost because I mentioned the Dodger fans; they know that we're coming, and I feel like. I feel like the presence of Dodger fans at Petco this series, I feel like they're nervous. And they're like, hey, we need to get down here because, one, we need to see this. Yeah. And, two, we need to show out because, hey, we're nervous. We need to make some noise. You I know don't I mean? think they are I as... feel like they're getting... They're to the point where, like, hey, the Padres aren't a joke anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, they didn't play like a joke either. I mean, they right. They played. They were very pesky in terms of, you know, they, they stayed. Like, they, we didn't get blown out, right? It wasn't like the Dodger game where it's like, hey, we're in it for, like, two innings. And then the Dodgers put up a five spot. Now we're suddenly down seven to two and you know this ball game's over 
Um, so I do think they stepped up in, in that aspect. Well, there was a point in time where they were down by, I want to say, like three or four runs, and yeah. then they came back and tied it. Yeah. They're, they're, lose it. they're much yeah. more resilient than they've been in years yeah. past. and I think it's because the offense is is a little bit better. They're a really young team, too. It's like, still not that great of an offense. Not yet, but I think that's just more so because, I mean, look how young this offense is. You right. Know, it's like somebody mentioned, and I can't remember what chat I was reading the other day, but they're like, oh, you know, are you worried about the Padres, like, they're they're near the bottom of the league and, and on base percentage, they're not drawing any walks. And the, the whoever was hosting the chat was like, they're a really young team. You know, yeah. they're they're a really young team. And, and typically, play discipline walks. That's stuff that goes up um, as time goes on. So, um, I mean, they showed up really well. The fans did it. I mean, it was not like it used to like, It used to be like 80-20 Dodger fans. And I felt like this, especially yesterday with the home run, it was a lot. I, it was a lot closer to even. I'd still give the Dodgers a little bit of the edge. Yeah, from all the um, things I was seeing on Twitter, from watching the games on TV, I, I feel like it was still. Mm, I want to say 60-40 Dodgers. Yeah, I would dude. say that. Like optimistically fifty fifty. Yeah. But I, I think it still leans towards sixty forty Dodgers. And a lot of people were upset at the Padres fan base. Like, oh hey, <laughs> um, this is on the season ticket holders for selling their season tickets to Dodger fans. And I have kind of mixed feelings about that, um, which which we'll get into later, um, because there's actually a question on that in the Padres Twitter podcast, which you guys did, or the Padres Twitter podcast, sorry. Man, I, I missed the podcast. Padres <laughs> Twitter segment. Um, there's a question on that that I want to get into later, but um, in regards to uh, season ticket fans, or season ticket holders selling to Dodger fans. But I don't know, like, I was kind of pissed off at how many Dodger fans were there, uh, for me personally, I don't really go to Dodger games when they come here, and it's not because I'm scared of Dodger fans, because I'm not. Um, I'm more annoyed than anything. It's incredibly annoying with them, and pricing is it's far more expensive to go to Dodger games. Oh, yeah, games. they have the, uh, what are they, the dynamic pricing. <laughs> the guy called out Burns at FanFest one year for price gouging. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I feel like they need to do away with that, yeah. because it has nothing to do with, with the actual atmosphere. I, for one, enjoy that atmosphere, because I, I love talking shit. Um, so I love that atmosphere, but I never feel threatened when I go to games, but yeah. I can see why people wouldn't want to bring their families out to there because the yeah. Dodger fans can get obnoxious, but the fights are kind of few and far between. Um, I post a video of one that, yeah. <laughs> that's gotten a lot of reaction. Yeah. It's Stan Marsh was narrating. Yeah. It's been great, yeah. great to watch, but it's, I don't know, man, when it comes to Dodger series, I tend to stay away one because it's more expensive Two because it's super crowded. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't like being in big in big crowds. I'm a big ass dude, so like I'm not trying to like sardine can my way through the, through the damn. Do we place. even have? Do we sit in our seats opening day? No. I'm pretty sure we're in standing rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in standing room the whole time. But like um, with Dodger fans, I, I've been to games before where I've interacted with Dodger fans and talked shit to them yeah. the whole game, and we bro hugged after the game. Yeah, you know what I mean. For the most like, part, the, I mean you you do get the the, the bad eggs every now and then. Um, but I do agree. It, it, to me, it's more annoying because, and I don't blame Padre fans. The way I look at it, and we can go in this, into this a little bit more as far as like selling the tickets. But like, as far as like Padre fans, let's not talk. Let's talk about the normal Joes like us. Like we have to go buy the tickets. We're not season ticket holders. Um, I don't blame Padre fans for not going because a, it's the dynamic pricing. So you have to pay more to watch what to this point has still been a pretty shitty product up until this year. It's been much better this year. Um, and at the same time, like, there's still fans that are going to be jaded. Like, great, we signed Manny Machado. Who else? You right. know, there's still going to be fans where, like, the Padres have to earn a lot of the casual fan that would show up in the 98 years, you mm -hmm. know, the 98 team. And, you know, even early Petco years when they were winning, like, they got to win those fans back. So I understand, like, to me, 60-40 Dodger fans, like, that's a lot better than what it usually was. Like, we went to a Cub game last year, and it was, like, 90-10, if yeah. not 95-5. Like, it was basically... Is basically Wrigley Southwest. There's also a group on in Instagram uh, called it's like uh, Pantone Two Nine Four something uh, like that. They're a Dodger fan group, uh, and they bust people down from L.A. and they offered this thing where you would buy a ticket package and included in that came uh, a bus ride down uh, from L.A. They bust in. 3,000 people. Good grief. So you saw them all marching down to the stadium to get in and, you know, chanting and all their Dodger gear. And I'm, I'm getting to think, I'm like, where do they get those tickets? You know, where do they get a package of those tickets? Are they buying them individually? Or are they getting a group? Like, hey, we're going to buy 3,000 tickets. tickets. Yeah. So what that's telling me is that the Padres are openly selling tickets to these people. And they know what is coming. Like, they know that this group of 3,000 Dodger fans are going to come. They don't give a fuck. 
Of course not. No but team. Why do won. they care? So they don't care who's in the ballpark as long as people are in the ballpark. Their their money's green too. They Fowler openly has admitted. It. Fowler has gone on to say openly admitted it. I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and blame ownership for like not selling to Dodger fans because I mean, there's probably people in that group where like they're just the everyday mom, dad, and Bill, I feel like you can you make know? an argument against that. That's ownership's fault. Why there's so many. Uh, Dodger fans that are in there. I mean, and that's not saying like, hey, they need to earn it with the team that they put on the field. Like, if you're selling to a big ass group of people from LA, that's a problem for me. It's a problem for me because there's also when they announce that there's a sellout. I think it was Grubner on Twitter. Um, Eric Grubner, he comes on, he's like, hey guys, tickets are sold out. But guess what? If you buy a season plan, then you'll have access to these tickets. So it's like, hey, we'll sell Dodger fans a group of three thousand Dodger fans tickets, but you Padre fans, hey. Fuck you unless you want to buy a season ticket package at this point. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. They're shitting on their fan base by doing that. Like, let us buy tickets. Don't raise the price on us just because the Dodger fans are coming in and you want to gouge them. Let us come to the ballpark for the same price as any other goddamn game and stop. Like, restrict the ticket sales. I don't want a busload of 3,000 Dodger fans coming down the fucking five. Now, do they know they're Dodger fans? What the fuck? Oh, you- yeah, they're Padre fans <laughs> from L.A. Of course. Yeah, because the Padres have a huge contingency of fans in L.A. Honestly, I'm so sure. Honestly, I, I hear where you're coming from. I, I think it's a wasted breath. They're never going to stop. They don't care. They It's Grubner's job to generate ticket revenue and sales and merchandise, all that shit, right? That's his job. He's not going to care. It just really pisses me off that they will openly sell to a big-ass group of those people. Yep. But for Padre fans, they'll say, hey, if you buy a season ticket package, then you'll have access. But otherwise, hey, we're sold out. Question on like, that. I have a huge problem with that. Question on that group page. Do we know when like they purchased the tickets? Like, Was this premeditated like at the yeah. beginning of the year? or? Oh, it was from a while back. I was looking into yeah. it yesterday to see okay. what the hell this is all about. And this yeah. is, They've had this promotion going on for a while. Okay. So, yeah, and and that, that tells me if you get a ticket and the ride, they're like, hey, you can buy this as a package. They bought those ahead of time. So I'm assuming they bought them directly from the Padres. Hey, group sale, we're going to bring in 3,000 people. Padres are like, whoa, hell yeah. Hey, where are you guys from? L.A. Okay, all right, come on down. Yeah, give us us your money. Yeah, we'll put gas in your bus. (laughs) (laughs) Drives me nuts, man. But they're never going to stop. That's the thing. That's why I think it's just all you can hope for is that the Padres continue to do well enough to where we don't have to worry about that crap anymore. Yeah. Because if, if they win, they keep winning, it'll turn it around eventually. They'll win back the other fans. Yeah. Um, so let's let's move on here. We're, we're planning on getting John Conifin here. He was in Amarillo, Texas uh, to watch the Sod Poodles this weekend. So we're planning on getting him in. I'm hoping Skype works out because honestly it's been so long since we had someone in on <laughs> Skype. I'm hoping I can get it figured out. Uh, but in the meantime, before we set that up, we got a few minutes. I want to talk about the debut of the young man, Cal Quantrill. Yeah, how about good old Cal? I've been shitting on him for the last year and a half. Yes. Like openly, and I've been loving every second of it. And then he comes up, because I don't have the MILB package. Like, I don't watch all these games like Craig Meddy, Leisure Fryer, yeah. like uh, uh, Kevin Charity. Like, I'm I'm not watching all these games. Um, so I'm I'm just looking at the, I'm scouting the, scouting the stat line, as we both know is the worst thing to do. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, hmm, like Quantrill's probably trash. And he comes up, and he's sitting 93 to 95, touches yeah. 96, and he's got tail on the fastball. You know, curveball looked good. And I'm, I'm like, man, like, maybe Cal Quantrill can be a piece going forward. He looks significantly better than what we saw on the backfield, especially last year when he's sitting like 86. 88. Yeah. Oh, 86, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and then even in the spring, I remember we, I think he, he got one start. I want to say he got more than one start, but I saw one start um, in the spring, and... I remember we were having a conversation with Charity and Conniff and in the group that we have going with the, the Mad Friars guys. And I said, I'm like, you know, his changeup looks really good. Like, if, if, if anything I took out of the starts, I got to see him. His changeups look really good. His changeup looks really good. His fastball command is horse shit. Yeah. Like, it's all over the place. It's 91, 92, maybe tops 93. But he's sitting 91, 92 with no command of his fastball. Can't throw it for strikes. And a good changeup, which to me screamed reliever like maybe we can you know maybe he can be a reliever and and figure out to throw enough strikes to set up the changeup right well he comes out and he goes five and two-thirds he gives up only two runs he he only struck out three but nonetheless he walked one and he's sitting 93 to 95 and he looked like the guy maybe not exactly but he looks like he's taking steps towards being the guy that we thought he was when he was being viewed as like man this was a steal you know the Padres got this kid he hadn't thrown since his sophomore year, he didn't throw his entire junior year because of Tommy John. He didn't start throwing until instructs or rookie bar, or whatever, when they got him in the system. Like, 
man, this guy looks like a steal. And then he just never kind of went anywhere. But if his fastball commands back and he's going to sit 93-95 and touch 96, that's that's a piece. He looked like he was struggling a little bit with command. Yeah. Which is fine. Dude, the nerves are probably flowing at that, that point. Your major league debut, like, yeah. that's fine. I'm willing to give him a few a few outings, see, you know, how he comes along. Uh, a few weeks working in the pen with Balsley, I yeah. think, is immeasurable in regards to what you can do with that. Uh, but it was really, really promising to see the stuff that he brought with him. Yeah. Because I was expecting 91 to 92. 92. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. You're expecting right-handed Eric Lauer. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it looks like he might have a little bit more than that. So um, you see him coming up, and then they're going to go to a six-man rotation, which is going to push Paddock back. It's going to push Strom back. <laughs> so we can have these guys. And Andy Green said that he wants Paddock pitching in meaningful games as long as into the season as possible, which I absolutely love. I love that idea. Ideally, so, Green's not managing those meaningful games <laughs> even this season. Well, if they're meaningful games, <laughs> yeah. he's still going to be here. Probably. Which is, which is fine, yeah. but it's just like... I'm I'm looking here, and there's nothing but good that can come from a six-man rotation by Agreed. having Paddock and having Strom for longer than what we normally would otherwise. So I really like that idea. They've been bringing guys up to have like spot starts in times where there's not days off in between to space yeah, them off. Like Avila and getting the start. Yeah, I, I like how they're handling that. I I hope Quantrill's here to stay. I hope he pitch pitches well enough to where he gets to stay. Um, but I'm really excited for that. And what I want to see next, and this kind of goes to help the pen, because the pen is, I feel like it's a little bit depleted right now. Um, I want to see them bring up Logan Allen at this point, because I feel like, yeah, he's he's gotten hit around a little bit in the PCL, but it's the PCL. Yeah. So I want to see Logan Allen come up, and I want to see him replace one of those starters. I'm leaning part towards probably Mark Gavichis. Like, throw Mark Gavichis in the pen. Make sure you use him. Don't let him go cold. Like, yeah. make it a point to use him every, what, two or three days? I would say give him a couple innings every two or three days. Yes, but that way you still have your six-man rotation. You have a viable option in, in the pen for you. Because Margavichis, like, I'm not... I, I, How did he throw his last time out against the Dodgers? I felt like he did... He did fine. Yeah, he, he said, well. he's like, oh, you know, I didn't have my best stuff. But he did fine. I feel like he's really a guy. And, and I'm never, you know... He any, feels like Justin Germano, where like, you're just waiting for it to just collapse. Put it this way. Anytime someone says, oh, well, you know, the numbers say... <laughs> I'm always like, fuck the numbers. And mainly for, like, the third time through the lineup. I'm like, no, that's stupid. Let them go. They need to grind through it. With Margavichis, dude, the, the third time through the lineup, when I see those guys come through again, I'm like, we're fucked. <laughs> so that's why, like, that guy, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with him going into the pen. I'm fine yeah. with him being that piece. And He's kind of like Bob Erlin, right? Like, Bob Erlin does he's well. He's a better yeah. version of Erlin. Yeah, because Erlin, I think, does really well the first time through, and it's the second time through the lineup yeah. he starts getting tagged. But, no, I agree with you. Um, To, to finish up my thoughts on Quantrill, I was always the big guy in Quantrill. Like, I was the guy like, ah, you know, 86, we don't know if he's working on anything or, you know, maybe he's hurt or sore. Like, we don't know. Um, and then after last time, I'm like, ah, you know, what I'm reading on Quantrill isn't really good. But I still felt like, hey, maybe he's just one adjustment away, right? And then I saw him pitch in the spring, and I'm like, meh. But maybe he's made that adjustment because he pitched well enough in El Paso, and uh, maybe he's made that adjustment where, you know, the fastball command will keep coming and keep getting better, and he can be, you know, that bulldog that we thought he was going to be a couple years ago. Um as far as moving Logan Allen up, I do think that's a good idea. I think right now they're probably going to hold off because they feel like he's a lot like... I think he's better than Margavich just will ever be. But I think the... I think... I can see the team, particularly Andy Green, think, saying like, well, he's the same guy and I'm not going to boot this other guy who's been grinding it out since you know I gave him the ball. Yeah. You know, And I'm not going to throw him in the bullpen. I think... I think what they're going to do, which I think is stupid, um, is wait till Margavich just blows up a couple of times. They're going to do like what they did with um, uh, Kevin Correa way back when. Remember 2010? I think is when we had Kevin Correa. And he, sure. Yeah. So 09, <laughs> Kevin Correa did really well. They brought him back. And then 2010, he did okay. And then he started cratering. Started cratering. And we kept waiting to bring up Lupke. And we kept waiting. And then Lupke came up and he just kind of sat in the bullpen. I think they're going to do that with Margavich. They're going to give him like... One or two starts too many to try to figure it out. They're going to lose those starts, and then they're going to bring Logan Allen in. But I think they're going to run with Mark Just I wouldn't mind if Logan Allen came in just with the idea of, you know what, we're going to bring you up to the big leagues because we want to get you big league innings. We think you can help. You can stretch out the bullpen because, by God, do they need it. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk to Conniff a little bit later on on what he thinks about uh, Munoz if, if he's close to ready. But even then, he's walking a ton of guys. But I can see Allen coming up just because they're so desperate for arms and multi-inning arms. Like, I'm surprised they didn't keep Perdomo up, honestly. True. Because they need multiple innings. Like, And I like Perdomo enough where I think in a reliever role, you know, you limit his exposure. 
he'll be fine. He'll at least be serviceable because, God, dude, they, like, Yates looks gassed. Yeah. He looks toast. Stammen looks tired. Like, we only have two relievers, and then God knows who. Who brought your glove today is what it feels like. Yeah, dude. And at the end of the day, it's May 6th <laughs> right now. So it's a long season. A lot of things can happen. And a lot of things that we're going to say, oh, yeah, it's going to go this this route, and we're going to be wrong about it. I'm completely sure. I hope that. I'm wrong about the bullpen. but uh, Yeah, we'll so you, you mentioned Conniff, and you mentioned, you know, we'll, we'll ask him. We'll see if he saw Munoz out there. I'm pretty sure he did, uh, but we'll find out from him. Um, also, I want to hear from him about another starter who may have an opportunity to make the rotation at the very end of the year if all things break the right way. So we'll see about that. Um, we're going to bring in John Conniff. Uh, again, make sure you go to Mad Friars. Uh, they're on Twitter at Mad Friars. Uh, go on to their website, madfriars.com. Get all of your minor league merch there. Go to their team links, uh, to their stores, and get your... Uh, you're going to get their hats. You're going to get their shirts anyway, so make sure you support them. Give them some credit. Yeah, support them, support the system, support Mad Fire. So make sure you guys go and subscribe. We'll bring them on next. All right, everybody. We are back with the godfather of Padres minor league baseball coverage. The overlord himself from Mad Friars is here. Welcome back, John Conniff. Hey, guys. How are you? I, li- I like the godfather. Yeah, you like that? What, what do you like? Because I know you like overlord, John. Do you prefer overlord like- or godfather? Well, God knows my wife doesn't call me the overlord, so you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic so hey if you guys follow along at mad fryers there uh, john this last spent this last weekend in amarillo texas um eating his way through texas and also watching <laughs> some baseball. i don't know what he scouted more the barbecue or the players yeah so uh the tell chicken us, fried steak chicken yeah. fried steak yeah so uh, first of all first and foremost i want to review on that chicken fried steak how how was that well, I went for the diet plate, as you could see. I had like the three <laughs> separate chicken fried steaks all together because I couldn't make up my mind. I had the traditional and the jalapeno one and the New Mexico green chili. And the jalapeno one was – that's actually – the barbecue was really good, of course, because it's Texas. But uh, Amarillo is actually known for having the best chicken fried steak in the state. So that is definitely worthwhile. And that will all be in the year-end uh, Guide to Mad Friars Dining that we'll put out at the end of the year. Nice. That'll be good. How many articles uh, is David Jay going to plug in from various Arby's he stopped by on his road yeah, we trips? Took, yeah, we took that out. He's, oh. he's not allowed to participate. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> a bummer. on this one. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, so they have a brand new ballpark over there. Tell us about the ballpark because I saw some, some of the uh, backdrop and it looked really nice out there. Well, it's a lot nicer than the, the one in San Antonio, the Wolf, mainly because it's just new. It's uh, right in downtown Amarillo, which they like a lot. The one thing I thought was kind of unusual about it, one, they have really bad press box seating. They have us all the way down at the end of the right field line, but they let, let us roam around wherever we wanted to in the stadium. You know, good views. It has some quirks to it. But the one part that's kind of unusual, the older guys were telling us, like when Tony Gwynn played there at the old park, that one was known as more of a pitcher's park because I think it was, they claim it was like 350 down the lines. Oof. Wow. 450 to dead center. Whew. So the new park they have is kind of like what you see on the East Coast. They kind of had to fit it into a certain grid on the stadium. And the old timers there said when they first saw it, the new balls were going to fly out of there. But still, you know, when I was out there, I saw a one nothing uh, game, which I didn't think I'd get a chance to see in Amarillo, <laughs> Texas. But, yeah, it's a beautiful park. It's probably going to be at the end of the year one of the top ten parks in minor league baseball. And so the Padres – you know, as much as I like the Padres and you guys do too, by blind luck, might have three of the top ten ballparks in you know in the whole minor league system at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah I was going to say El Paso is pretty highly regarded, right? As far as a, oh, a venue for baseball. Yeah, I would kind of go El Paso and Fort Wayne are the top. I'd put, I would put just a notch below it. I'd put Amarillo, then a big drop down. It would probably be Tri Cities or. Um, or the, or the diamond in El Paso, uh, diamond at Lake Elsinore. Hmm. Well, you know, pitchers, pitchers park or not, out there in right. Amarillo, Texas, you got to watch Reggie Lawson out there uh, this last weekend, and from all accounts, he's been impressive. So tell us a little bit, a little scouting report, what you saw from Reggie Lawson, maybe something that, um, like his improvements from one year to the next. Like, what did you see from him out there? It was the best I've ever seen. You know, I mean, he had a he had a really good fastball, which was about all between 94 and 96, pretty consistent. And it was high. He would ride up high in the zone. And, uh, you know, we were talking before on there, his, he'd use his secondary pitches much better. 
Uh, he had a really good changeup, which uh, he was kind of told to use by uh, his manager, Philip Wellman, through threat of uh, losing some money, and he did. He had a really good curve, <laughs> decent slider. But one thing that Reggie did, and I'm going to vomit a little bit in my mouth, it was a good line by David Jake when he was talking about uh, Chris Paddock and Mackenzie Gore, is his focus was a lot better. And Reggie, you know, we have, we'll have an article coming up with Reggie, and he really talks about looking at each pitch and approaching it that way because talent wise reggie has as much talent as anybody and when he's locked in i mean you're talking about a guy who's about six five two oh five to two ten you know who just throws a consistent heat and it was really impressive to watch also right, another play that game which was impressive too real quick was lewis torrens i mean it was a one nothing game they get to the ninth inning bedner comes in loads the bases strikes out two guys but they still have bases loaded one nothing 3-2 count. Place is actually going pretty wild. And Torrens calls for a splitter, which better throws in the dirt, batter swings, gets right in front of it, blocks it. And, and I can say this. And Wellman's in the locker room in the office after a game. He goes, boys, that's that's what you call letting them hang right there. That was some serious balls <laughs> by, uh, by Torrens. And it's true. I mean, that, I mean, you know, you guys have probably caught a few times in your life. I mean, imagine getting something about 90 miles per hour with movement that's coming at you in the dirt. I, you know, John, I, I feel like you're insinuating, because you know I'm a Mejia guy. Are you insinuating that Francisco Mejia would not have called that pitch and then blocked it? <laughs> no, <laughs> Is this a personal I attack? No, I like hedges. I'm a little more on the hedges side, but I'm not anti-Mejia. But, and that'll uh... be it from John Conniff, everybody. We do appreciate him coming on. Uh, but no, and and, other, I, and I'm big on Lawson. I think I think we've all known. I've, yeah. I've been the big guy on Lawson since he was drafted. Um, the other guy I've been big on since we got him, and kind of what it looks like maybe he's a still trade who's just added to the 40 man this off season is uh, Edward Oliveris. I think people were yeah. surprised a that he was added to the 40 man, and b um, that he got bumped up to Double A. He's been uh, he's been raking uh, in this year. 296 average, 361 on base, slugging 593 now. Of course, he's playing in Texas. Ball flies. He's 23. But um, we were asking you uh, in, in our little group thread going, I was asking, you know, with Margot struggling, maybe this is it. And, and Oliveira's maybe knocking down the door. How does he look down there? Does he look like he's taking a big step forward? Because he's always been toolsy. It's just a matter of putting it together. Well, you get him there, too. When you're talking about his average, yeah, Amarillo is a hitter's park. But there's other parks there that are kind of still pretty friendly to, towards pitchers. So it's, it's pretty real what he's doing. They have him playing a lot of the corner outfield. They have Orozco playing mainly center. Buddy Reed kind of rotates in there a little bit. But, yeah, Oliver, David – actually, David was the one who liked Oliveris more than Buddy Reed. Um, defensively, has a much better approach at the plate. Uh, they start him off lower in the order. Now he's hitting number two. He's done really well there. I think at the end of the year he could be one of the guys that we could really look at. I'm not sh- – I think he can play center field. He's pretty good. I'd like to see him out there a little bit more to – be able to give a more educated opinion. Interesting. You know, staying on the topic of corner outfielders, a guy mm-hmm. that I was really, really high on when they first signed him, and then I kind of fell off a cliff as his production did as well, um, Jorge Onya. He, it right. seems like he's been resurrected, and he's he somehow he, <laughs> he found his stroke out in Amarillo, and he's he's been off to a hot start offensively, but I, I do have concerns defensively. What did you see from uh, Jorge Onya out there? Well, Onya, first of all, has kind of had – he had the really tough thing. He had a lot of nagging injuries his first two years. And they're the kind that are bad enough where they kind of screw him up production-wise, but not enough for you to take him out of the lineup. So he's done really well out there. He has a good eye at the plate, has some power. He's still built, incredible body and all that. Defensively, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, he's. A, I think we were talking off the air. He's got the instincts of an outside linebacker in left field, um, you know. I, I'm not sure. I know he works really hard at getting better right now, but I think if it were me, I'd look at Naylor as a little bit better option in left field than uh, than Onya is right now. But, That's really interesting, considering Onya's like, he was an outfielder when we got him. Um, as yeah, far as uh, his, yeah, his growth... They, oh, go ahead, John. Well, I'm sorry. The way they portrayed Onya to us when they first signed him it was he was a guy... I mean, before we even saw him, they were telling Dave and I at spring, well, he's a guy who could probably play a little bit of center if he had to kind of more of a corner outfield type can play both of them we saw him one game we're thinking okay he's he's left field eric only. and i pulled out our binoculars trying to find the scouting report that said <laughs> he could play center <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't see it but uh 
And Hudson Potts started to kind of turn around a little bit, and uh, he had a walk-off home run when I was there, which was kind of which was pretty impressive. And uh, he's turned around. I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play second base, but that's another conversation where he had with uh, Wellman at the end of the game, and he made the point that you know you got to bat like Hudson Potts, and he thinks Potts will really develop. He said you got to you're going to find a place for it somewhere. Yeah. Speaking of develop, Onya, I think the other big knock, you mentioned some injuries, and this might have had something to do with it because he's always walked at a decent clip, uh, right. 8% his first two years, up to 10% now, which is a, always a good sign. Um, yeah. He's actually slugging. Like, he's hitting for power, it looks like. He's slugging 539. And, again, we can't scout the stat line, but I think it does say something considering the last two years he's barely been at 400 or lower. Is there anything that Wellman or anybody from the team have mentioned about Onya that – you know, did they make an adjustment to him or, or do go do something with his swing path that's helping him hit for more power this year as opposed to the last two years? Well, there's there's two things in that statement. One, I always have hated that phrase, scout the stat line. I mean, I could sit there and tell you guys that Buddy Reed has all this ability, and you'd sit there and go, John, you know, he's striking out like, well, at 40% clip, I don't have the stats in front of me. I mean, that's scouting the stat line. It's also showing he's not doing a good job. The, I mean, baseball is a game of consistency. You have to do it over a certain prolonged period of time, and eventually the numbers will will come up. With Oni, I think it's like what I said is mainly he's just healthy. I mean, he had some really bad wrist and forearm injuries last year uh, that he could never really shake in Lake Elsinore. His back hurt him, and Oni really really hated the cold i mean i asked him that in spanish a couple of times he was pretty cool no no my ghost in the heavy nada nunca <laughs> pretty, pretty is intense. he gonna throw you under the bus like fran mill is people forget uh, you were fran mill's first best friend in I, the in the padre minor leagues i think people forget that these days i was his first love yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now he went big time but nonetheless i, I think uh, people forget i don't scout latin america as much i guess that's yeah. probably okay it's yeah. a lot of money to fly over there, I think. Yeah. If, yes. if, if you want on-the-ground coverage for uh, Latin America, you might have to find that elsewhere at Padres Twitter. But um, I wanted to ask you. Find a top one hundred flas on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to find that somewhere else. But uh-huh. I wanted to ask you about another young man um, that I'm really excited about, and that's uh, Andres Munoz, the flamethrowing oh. Mexican. That's right. As, as Danny loves to point out. He's down there. He's in uh, Amarillo as well. Um, you got a chance to watch him close out a yep. few games. What's what's his stuff like? Is control going to be an issue for him? Uh, what's what's going on with him? Please say he's good. <laughs> I think, you know, it's funny. I think he was the most excited about, because the Padres have this thing where they're trying to make him go two innings. So he actually got his first plate appearance in his life up there. Had an RBI single. Nice. And he was so excited. You could see him clapping, and he was making all kinds of gestures to the dugout. It was awesome. Yeah, he's what he always is. He was throwing 100 100 miles an hour easy gas. Um, He's not a big dude. He's maybe about 170 or 175 pounds. He's just really thick in the core, gets everything into it. I thought his command looked a lot better. He, you know, he really believes more in a slider. He's throwing that, you know, now because he wants to, not because he has to. As far as guys like him going up, or even like, you know, we were chatting before about Reggie Lawson. You know, I think I have a long track record of being wrong on a pretty good amount of times about when someone is going to go up. We'll bring David J on for those uh, for those ratios. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can see how much worse his is, uh, but it's hard. I think Munoz would probably be up a little quicker than Lawson because he just needs two pitches. Um, yeah, I think they want to see him be able to go about two innings. As as Wellman made a point, they want to see him come out of the bullpen, you know, get three outs, sit down, then come back up and pitch another inning. They're trying to get him up to, to doing that. But, yeah, I, I think the big question is going to be, if he doesn't have to be on the 40-man, do you really want to put him on there and burn a spot? Yeah, I, I, I think that is a, a question that they need to take into consideration. And me, being the Neanderthal I am, all I see is he throws 100 miles an hour. And then he's to the point where he's almost like he's sitting 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, I want that guy up, and I want him up now. Yeah, bring him up. Yeah, I want him up now. But I feel yeah, I like... got to talk on the, on an Amarillo radio station. I was on there for about an hour. And we, they were bringing up that people are sitting on the fastball. And that brought up you know, kind of a good 
good question. You guys answer this. How many guys can sit on a 102-mile-per-hour fastball? You got me there. <laughs> yeah. I can't sit on a 65-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, you, you got me there for sure. Um, so, yeah, John, uh, we do appreciate you coming on again. We look forward to hearing even more about that uh, trip to Amarillo. Um, what you got? What do you guys got coming up in uh, Madfriars world over there? Uh, we're going to finish off the rest of the, uh, about one or two DC articles. I'll finish up the rest of the Amarillo articles, and then I will go out to Fort Wayne, hopefully at the end of the month, and talk about another Mexican ball player, Augustine Ruiz, for Danny. Oh, yeah, nice. Kind of trying to hook it up. Question, yeah. question, last question of the day, John. Probably the most important. How's the Mexican uh, food in DC? <laughs> you know what, man? It'd be worth it to fly, fly you out here and have you have it, and I'd bring a personal jar of mayonnaise for you just to add a little bit (laughs) that's fantastic hey actually you know i I do have one more for you john and and i'm sorry i appreciate your time mackenzie gore he needs some real competition is he about done at elsinore like when when is it going to come the time where he goes up to double a to face the guys in uh in the uh double a circuit there you know what? I was on three separate shows in Amarillo, and that was a lead question on everyone. Hey, when, when are we going to get McKenzie Gore? <laughs> when <laughs> is McKenzie Gore coming up here? Yeah, he should be coming up pretty quick. I don't know. You know, I, I think they know he's he's pretty good. I think he's, David wrote in today's Daily, he's striking out 40% of the batters in the Cal League. Jesus. <laughs> I think, you know, but, but I would say this. On the long term, you should look at McKenzie Gore is going to be in double A this year. Yeah. He'll probably finish – the year in double A. I think there's a good chance like uh Paddock and Tatis, you never see El Paso. He's in the rotation next year in San Diego. I don't that's think that's banking on. Yeah, I think that could happen. But you know what we'll to see. I mean, he he's getting a lot of people out from what I understand in the Cal League by throwing a lot of fastballs and changeups. And you guys saw him pitch in spring. He has a he's got a really good slider. So I think mm-hmm. once he gets more comfortable with more of a mix, I mean the sky's the limit. I mean I I like Paddock a lot, and I think McKenzie Gore can be better. Ooh. Well, yeah, we're you know us, John. We're we're anxiously looking the day, looking towards the day when uh, both of them are at the top of our rotation. So, um, hey, as always, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, find the Mad Friars site again at Mad Friars on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe, uh, five dollars a month. Uh, make sure you go to their team sites and find all the merch that you need for the minor leagues. Uh, John, we appreciate you as always. <laughs> Real quick, the Amarillo said they're looking forward to a visit from the Mad Friars Pro Hat models, so we'll keep that in mind and be on the lookout for them on Twitter. Oh, they're going to fly us out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said they love you. I don't think they love you, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, like is enough for a free, free hat. I'll take it. I'll All take right. it. That's awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, John. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. All right. As always, uh, we appreciate John Conniff, the best in the business, John Conniff. Um, also, on, staying on the thread of uh, minor leagues, our friends over at the Friars on the Farm podcast, Roy and Donovan, they have put out this uh, new t-shirt uh, that says Dominate the Day on the front of it, and they have Mackenzie Gore. Have you seen that? Yeah, that I have. I liked it, yeah. Yeah, so it, it looks awesome. So what they're doing is they're selling this shirt not to line their own pockets, but all of the proceeds that they get from the shirt, they're putting right into the uh, Diamond, the Boosters Club for Lake Elsinore. So it goes right back to the players in Lake Elsinore. So I thought that was pretty cool. So make sure you find um, at SD Donovan at Zippy underscore TMS, one underscore, not two underscores like the fake one, uh, <laughs> or the uh, Friars on the Farm podcast. Who is that guy? I don't know. I don't know. Someone made a fake account for Roy. I have no idea. But um, make sure you find those guys. Make sure you buy a shirt. Make sure you um, you know support our minor leaguers because not all of them sign huge signing bonuses. As uh, Eric Sim will tell you, a lot yeah. of them are struggling to get by. So any literally any cent that that goes towards them really helps. So uh, make sure you find that out. So we are going to transition into the Padres Twitter segment. It is finally back. We took the week off from it last week. And we got a lot of people that were pissed off about it. I was going to say, people were very uh, very sensitive that uh, we didn't put the segment up last week. Yeah, oh. they really, really were. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get right into it here with the, the first one. We had a caller that called in, and he's an actual Major League Baseball player that happens to be a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, uh, this is Kennedy Jansen. I thought I was calling the hotline for Shitty Fielders Anonymous. <laughs> Somebody gave me this motherfucking number, uh, so I thought I'd call in. But, um, hey, you motherfuckers can't beat me. Couple bunts. That's it. Don't bring up the home run. Couple bunts. That's it. Let them up. 
So yeah. Ken, Kenley Jansen is upset. He says that the only way that the Padres can beat him is by bunts. Yeah, that walk-off bunt into the uh, into the uh, Estrella landing was uh, yeah, that was pretty <laughs> epic. I've never seen a bunt go that far. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting. I said, oh well, I'm flattered if you know if they have to bunt to beat me, then I'm flattered by that. Shut up, fool! Like they laid down two bunts. Your fielders suck. They're out of position. They can't they can't field the bunt, and then you give up a bomb to Renfro. Yeah, you couldn't get Renfro out, guy. Just just suck it up and admit it. Yeah, exactly. He so, didn't have the heart to say it, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a low blow. That is a low I'm blow. I've been waiting all day for that. All right, here's here's the next one. My personal favorite of all of these. <clears throat> Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oh, Fuck geez. you, Eric. Well, thank you for that. Uh, here's a couple that kind of dive into, we were talking about earlier, the Padres season ticket holders selling their seats. So uh, there's going to be a couple from the same guy that um, I, I want to go a little bit more in depth on with you and see what you think. Hey, so this is Rashawn, better known as King Pouncey. Let me tell you something. I'm so sick and tired of fans saying that Tecco is not a safe family environment when the Dodgers fans get there. Let me tell you something. They sold their tickets for profit. The prices down there were outrageous. Even parking went up. So don't give me this sad story about you don't feel like your family's comfortable with Dodgers fans. That's BS. You sold those tickets for profit. I'm not mad at you for selling them, but just be honest about it. Have a great day. Thanks. Dude, I 100% agree with him. When when you brought that up earlier, I was going to say, I'm like, man, if I had season tickets, I'd pull what you pulled when Manny uh, Ramirez was coming off the uh, suspended list yeah. and sell those motherfuckers for tenfold face value. I have no problem with people selling their tickets for profit. Neither like, do I. Really I. Don't. With, how much the, with how much the Padres jack up their pricing, I have no issue whatsoever with people jack, or selling off their tickets. So I saw um, Charisma on Twitter. She said that she sold uh, two of her Dodger seats, and she was able to, with those two season tickets, she was able to get four tickets to the Dodger game, plus... Plus, pay for her flight to uh, New York or to Toronto for the series for Memorial Day. So she'll be out there with the profits that she got from the tickets she sold. And flying her to fucking Canada. That's amazing. I don't fault people whatsoever for selling No, but at least be honest. Like, at least Christmas said, like, hey, I got all this money. Look what I did with it. Don't give me the, I'm uncomfortable at Dodge because it's the Dodger fans. I mean, it's it's whatever. So, and and again, season ticket holders, you're paying the team a lot of money. Take advantage of it. Any opportunity that you can. I'm perfectly fine with that. But um, talking about, like, the safe environment, we kind of talked about that earlier. I think some of the most fun that I've actually had at games like getting into it with other people, like like lightheartedly, was at Dodger games. Like yeah. I, I've had a lot of fun talking shit back and forth with Dodger fans. So um, I feel like just kind of a general rule of thumb is don't act like an asshole. Yeah, you know I mean, go to the game, don't act like an asshole, and you're gonna be just. Fun. We're all fans, right? We're all there to watch grown men play baseball and have fun and root our teams on. You don't yeah. have to beat each other up. Yeah, but they did take over our city, and uh, King Pouncey wants to uh, elaborate on that a little bit next. Hey, this is Rashawn, King Pouncey again. Let me tell you something. Our fan base needs to toughen up. Our fan base is so soft, like soft-serve ice cream. <laughs> Come on, man. The Dodgers just overran our city, took over our downtown area. Our downtown area. How embarrassing. I'm tired of the group. I was there. I felt like I was outnumbered with a trash truck. You should be there at the same time. It doesn't matter. Come on, man! Stand up for our city. Let's go, Padres. I agree with him. I agree with that. Again, too. another another great. We gotta get him on the podcast. He has some great takes. At the end of the at the end of the day, like there's not going to be tickets for Dodger fans to buy if Padre fans are buying them first. Agreed. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I fully fully agree with that. And while I didn't go down <laughs> to any games, so I sound like a, com- a complete hypocrite. <laughs> You know, it's he's true. I mean, he's right. He's yeah. 100% right. So I, I, I couldn't possibly agree more. So the next one that we have here is from uh, Dodgers Randy, actually. If you uh, have been following along on Twitter, you know very well of Dodgers Randy. Let's see what she has to say. Hi, um, this is Randy Radcliffe. <laughs> I'm calling into the Padres Twitter segment. But I, I don't care about you guys and that uh, you don't exist. I just want to let you know that you, you don't exist and... Uh, you know, uh, I'm not scared of the Padres, and uh, we still want the series. <laughs> you, you guys don't scare me. Huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, 
I, the Padres Twitter isn't real. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> did you see? Did you see the whole Do- uh, Dodgers oh, yes. Randy? You know, yes. I'll, I'll be honest, dude. Like stuff like that, I couldn't possibly care less. Like they're they're out there. They they want attention. They're dying for attention, and, and they want to rile people up. And the reason why I realize that is because that's my fucking bit <laughs> on Twitter. Gimmick infringement on Twitter. That is my bread and butter. So the last thing that I'm gonna do is is engage someone like that and give them exactly what they want. So I saw her when I saw her doing that. I'm like, you know, what? I'm just gonna mute her. If something comes up, fine. Like I'll, I'll handle it then. But just the ignorance of of Dodgers Twitter to come off the very fun series against Braves Twitter to go all the way down into the bottom of the barrel, the scum off the bottom of the barrel that is Dodgers Twitter. The uh, the we're better than you, even though realistically we've all won the same thing in the last oh thirty years. Yeah, yeah. The, the the I'm better than you Twitter is is very irritating. It, it really, really is. So there's another person that checked in here, uh, Davey Leland. So he deactivated his Twitter to try to get Manny Machado back on track, and that worked. Did he? Is that why he deactivated his Twitter? Yeah, and it worked. It wasn't so, the constant messaging that uh, he was wrong? <laughs> he also wanted to check in with the 5.5 podcast. So let's oh, see what God. he has to say. Oh, God. Hi, this is Davey Leland. Don't be fooled by a couple of nice hits from Machado this weekend. We are still cursed. Machado's still hitting below 240, just like all the other former stars that have come before him. I mean, look what happened to Jim Edmonds and Joe Randa. Both superstars in the primes of their careers come to San Diego, and it's over. Machado is the new Joe Randa. Machado's cursed, and Machado is a bust like all that came before him. And it's not just our free agents. Our prospects become busts here, too, because of this curse. Remember the great prospects Irving Palou and Caleb Crab? They never got their careers going because of the dreaded San Diego curse. Sorry that my facts are upsetting to you all. I just tell it like it is. Anyway, bye. <laughs> Thank you, David Leland. And you know what? I, I he completely put that into perspective, you man. You can't argue with the Caleb Crab flop. You know what, man? Machado Machado's production has been very alarming. <laughs> it's been very alarming, and uh, you know, Davey's the first one to point that out. So. Um, there's grief. there's actually more that have uh, floated in here that I, I want to get to. This next one I think is pretty good. And there's, uh, well, I'll just play it. Hey guys, it's Devin. So going into the Mets series, uh, I thought it was kind of important to bring up why Major League Baseball hasn't taken action against Peter Alonzo, who is a ardent supporter of terrorism. Um, do you guys have any insight to that? Maybe he has something on the commissioner. Um, any insight would be appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> what? I had to DM him, dude. I was like, "Hey, give me the backstory on this. What's going on?" Because I saw the memes that 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 he was gonna. Take. Well, no, he posted a meme, and it was like Peter Alonzo loves Bin Laden, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like "What is this?" He and, sent me the other meme he was talking about, and uh, well, I was well, like. I was like, hey, like, did I miss something? Like, fill me in. How did I miss him supporting ISIS? And he's like, oh, just some shit I made up. (laughs) That is so brilliant, dude. So brilliant. I love shit posting, dude. And that kind of stuff. Hats off, dude. Like, take a bow. That is is very impressive. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. I just wanted to let you know that the only way that you beat me is with two perfect bunts. That's the only reason. We get it, Ken. Because Hos- or, uh, Hunter Renfro, or whatever his name is, Connor Renfro, and everyone five building for four runs. All right? You only beat me with two perfect butts. Get over it, asshole. <laughs> Yeah, man. His Kenley accent Jensen. changes? Yeah, yeah. His accent changes with rage. Did he say Connor Renfro today? Yeah. <laughs> Kenley Jansen is pissed. Boy, that's pretty racist to just insert any random Caucasian name into the name Renfro. I don't appreciate him treating our part-time left fielder that way. Yeah, amen, dude. So Connor Renfro. For our next take, <laughs> for our next take, we're gonna go we're gonna go to the airport, right? We're gonna board our jet coach, of course. We're not gonna fly first class because we're not point superstars like HJ Preller. And we're gonna fly to Australia with this next call. Oh. Hey guys. Richo at Aussie Fry here. Just about Paddock and his innings limit. Do you think we need to look at some options there? Or Padre should look at some options? Maybe moving to the bullpen for June, July, August and getting back in the rotation in preparation for the play-in wildcard game? 
or is it just rolling through and and uh, put it in and cut it off when these innings are done? Also, sources tell me that Pat, uh, that Tatis doesn't actually have a hamstring problem. He just pancaked his balls when he did the split. <laughs> They're back to the right shape now, and he'll be back better at having the better than ever. Soon enough. Talk to you later. That's amazing. <laughs> Pancaked as nuts. Pancaked as nuts. You know, it, it's funny because a lot of these voicemails that come in here, um, it, it's kind of choppy, but they, they transcribe it a little bit for me, and I can see. And for our pal here, um, the Aussie, it says transcription not available. <laughs> so that's great. Flattened ball sack for Tatis Jr. So thoughts and prayers uh, with the young man. So about Paddock. He he brought up a couple things. Do you bring him? Do you take him to the bullpen? What what do you do with with Paddock going forward? We kind of we kind of talked about it. What yeah, do you think? I I think the I think the whole reason they're doing this six man rotation. I think it's two reasons. It's one they want to see what Cal Contral has, and two I think it's done. Andy Green pretty much said it. Like it is done with the idea that they're going to push Paddock out an extra day every week. So he's basically pitching instead of one and a half times a week, pretty much once a week now. Um, I think they're going to do. With him, what they did with Latos, where if they're in it, they're not going to compromise the season by pulling him. Because to me, like, I don't buy into innings limits and all that. I think you look at the guy, like, Latos was purely gassed in 2010. Um, So I think this is the idea of let's keep pushing him out. We'll keep pushing his innings, technically, but we're going to give him an extra day off. I think they're going to do what they did with Lucchese last year around the break, where they just sent him down. Where he got, like, eight days off um, because he didn't start. Uh, he's sitting down like right before his first start, and then uh, they went to the All-Star break before what would have been his first start in the minors. I think they'll do that with him to stretch him out. I don't mind the idea of him coming out of the bullpen. I just he's their best starter, man. Like his ERA plus is like two thirty something. I can't see them pulling him. So I think what they're doing the six man rotation, they're going to manipulate his you know his options a little bit um, to try to buy him as much time as they can. Yeah, uh, you know, I think the six-man rotation is perfect. Absolutely so I'm, I'm happy with the route they're going. It's going to really hurt when he's sidelined towards the end of the season, especially if they're in contention. But it's it's for the greater good. You have if to look he's big sidelined picture. towards the end uh, of the season. Yeah, you, you have to look big picture. And honestly, the six-man rotation is the best way to have him as long into the season as we can. And that's what we ultimately want. So this, oh, I got a real question on that one. I was you know, yeah. taking it back. Yeah, here's another uh, real question here. Oh, God. Hey, this is Ruben Vasquez, Ruben underscore Vasquez on Twitter. Hit that follow button. Uh, all I want to know is, are you going to apologize to Eric Hosmer personally? Because you've been on him, and he's just lighting the world on fire the last week. And the Dodgers still suck. I don't care what they say. They still suck. We're coming for that ass. Everybody better be on notice. Chris Potick shoves the night, and we're going to take this series. Let's go pot. So, are wow. you... That's a great question. Thanks, Ruben. It's a great call. Are you going to apologize to Eric Cosmer? No! That's like me apologizing to Ian Kinsler. Now, look at it. Listen, I don't hate Hosmer. I didn't care for the signing, but I've said it since day one. If he does well, that's good for the Padres. So, he's doing very well. He's hitting the damn ball in the air, thank God. So, he's actually been on a tear. I looked it up since, like, April 20. He's been on it. He's slugging, like, seven-something. So he's been on a tear. So good for him. I want to see him do it for a full year. Okay. I have to I have to go here. And you know what? Ruben brought it up. Uh, our pal, Menzrea, brought it up Yes, on I saw that. <laughs> and he said, are you going to apologize to Eric Cosmer? And you know what? I think it's time. Oh, God. Eric Cosmer. I hope it's not too late to say sorry. I am so sorry. I, I completely underestimated you. I'm not happy about the fact that you used marijuana to start this to start this hot streak. I'm not happy that this spark in that sauna led to this fire that you've been on lately. Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm about upset that. about that, and I will never forget that, nor will I ever forgive you for that. But Eric Cosmer, I am sorry I doubted you. Because he's, dude, he's been on fire. He's been fun to watch. He has been. He's absolutely been fun. But I'm not going to, uh, at Too Much Morton said this, our good pal Giannis, who does some incredible editing work, by the way. Somebody hire that man. Um, He said the same thing to Wynette, who's been like the biggest Hosmer stan for some reason. It's like, I'm not just going to forget about like 
the first seven months he was on the team <laughs> where he didn't hit shit. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, I want him to do well. I've said it since last year. Because of his bat-to-ball skills and his ability to draw walks, which he hasn't done this year yet. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, if he can learn to elevate the ball, he's going to be dangerous. Well, he's, he's getting there. Yeah, he's elevating the damn ball. So, lo and behold, he's all of a sudden dangerous. Just keep doing what you're doing, Eric. And, uh, you know, eventually, I am happy to eat crow. I ate crow on Tatis. I ate crow on Mejia. I'll continue to do so. I have no problem with it. Yeah, I've developed quite a taste for crow. Yes. So, uh, Eric Cosmer, uh, once again, I'm sorry. Let's go. I'm willing to embrace you through the rest of the Lo season. Lo siento. Next one. Hi, this is Sam Nair. You probably know me from Padres POV if you watch cable. <laughs> As a Fox Sports San Diego star now, I just wanted to know, do you think the new Saquon commercial song is as middling as the last one? Also unrelated, since Padres Twitter obliterated Bray Twitter, what were your top five memes? And you can only use one that was your own. <laughs> God, I can't pick top five memes. Although your uh, you're Tiger Woods getting blown up on... Uh... At the snap of the ball, the the is the uh, goddamn. Oh, off the tee? No, 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 no. I think you put another one up where he's a defender. It's a it's a football oh, meme. Yeah. He's a defender, and then I think it's the wide receiver that just plows right through him. That's probably my favorite one. Yeah, he's that's sitting crazy. there with his hands out and gets absolutely steamrolled. That's probably my favorite one. I'm I'm still laughing at the pod. You probably know me from Padres. Watch <laughs> <Pod> cable. <laughs> This fucking guy was on Padres POV, and now he's he's a, a superstar. Superstar, dude. As far as the the Mets or the the Braves uh, series, and and what really stuck out to me as far as the memes, I, I can't. There's there's like eighty of them. How could you? Eighty million, dude. Yeah, there's like within, so many. Within like two or three hours, there's like five hundred replies, and all of them were fantastic. So I I don't know if I can pick like five of them, but one of my favorites, I think it was Chris at Sports Brain. Um, he put. He put the fryer, was it? He put the fryer on top of uh, the Big Show, and then the Big Show slapped the Tiger Woods meme. And as soon as he slapped him, he turned from Braves Tiger to, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Mugshot to Tiger. To Mugshot Tiger, I forgot. I forgot about that one. I think that one was fantastic. Can, can you fill me in on this? Because you know I'm not Twitter savvy. What Did the Braves like adopt Tiger Woods? What's going on? I don't know. I don't know how it came about, but there's a picture of Tiger Woods in a Braves hat smiling awkwardly, so that's their meme, and, and they're running with it. Oh, so. well, there you go. At least they're good sports about it. Yeah, yeah. it was it was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, that was a good one. I forgot about that. Yeah, so this will be the last one here. I think, uh, let me read the transcript. Oh, God, it's fucking Sam again. Hang on. Hey, it's Sam there, Fox Sports San Diego again. Um, <laughs> want to call one more time. Uh, <laughs> thought about this with all the Dodger fans in town besides never when's the worst time to have the wave I always would think it's when you're pitching but always see people complain that it happens when we're batting so which one's worse which one's worse for the wave when your team is up to the plate or when your team is out in the field? God, it's so context dependent, right? Because if it's like a high level, like with Yates the other day, right? Mm-hmm. If, they, if I was in the stands they're doing the wave while Yates is on the mound, I'd have blamed everybody for doing the wave. <laughs> That's why he blew it. So I guess it's, let, let's put it this. It's worse in a high leverage situation regardless of offense or defense. If you're if it's 10-2 to two, or it's like the first or second inning, you know, and the game's not really on the line, that's ah, whatever. Good, do what you want. I hate the wave, but whatever. But, like, I'd say high leverage situations. Like, if I saw motherfuckers doing the wave with Renfro up with the bases loaded, I would have been <laughs> fucking furious. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, dude, for me personally, I-, I feel like the worst time to have the wave is when your batter is up. Because there's so much, like, like orchestrated movement. You wouldn't have been pissed off if people were... You were there for Trevor Hoffman's record blowing a save right or not record blowing is, is record breaking a save right yeah imagine motherfuckers doing the wave <laughs> well no one was doing the wave because everyone was on their feet well i know but imagine like take that moment in context right it's a big moment it's a yeah. defining moment for padre fans and it's probably trevor hoffman's defining moment yeah now imagine jackoffs doing the fucking wave <laughs> while you're sitting here trying to watch your hero you know, make history, immortalize himself. Yeah, I guess it's context dependent. And I'm never against the wave. I think the wave is com- is completely fine. But yeah. the worst time to do it is when your team is up. That's terrible. Because the batter's eyes, as much as they're focused, when there's all that movement, they're naturally... Yeah. It's going to catch their eye and it's going to fuck with Here's them. Here's Tony Gwynn sitting on 1,999 hits at Jack Murphy Stadium. Oh, and the wave's broken out, Jer. <laughs> How about that, Colonel? The wave's broken out. Yeah. So I, I, I think that would be the, the worst time. But Christ. Anyways, uh, we... 
we we made it an hour. Yeah, we did. Thanks so, for the turnout. I'm, I'm surprised we even got anybody to come back. I thought they'd be too jaded. Yeah, so I was I was trying to kind of hustle in and hustle out of this because I am on my way and I'm going to be a little bit late. But the uh, you know Paddock tonight is facing Jason uh, Jacob Degrom at Petco Park, and Degrom has not been good since uh, being pulled from that start where he looked hurt. So I am on my way to go watch a sporting event. At the sports arena. I'm going to watch the Seals. Oh, I thought it was Disney on ice. Nope. So I'm going to watch the uh, San Diego Seals in their playoff game. I was like, you know what? I've been following these guys um, all throughout the season. I owe it to them to go to the playoff game. And hey, maybe I'm fucking up by going to the playoff game. Maybe they're going to lose because I'm going to be there. So uh, we'll we'll see how that works out. Uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping for the uh, for the W, but we'll see. I, I figured, you know, if they I'll lose, you those woods of beer. If they lose. Because yeah. first you're on Woodsy's show, we saw a 1090 turn out. Now you're gonna go to the Sills during the playoffs. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, this could be bad, Eric. I don't know about me being on Woodsy's show or co-host. So, like, are you on my podcast? No, we're co-hosts. I don't think uh, yeah. it was the Woods. I don't think it was the Ben Woods and Labu show. I didn't see that in the title reading. It was the Ben and Woods, uh, the miserable Padre fan, <laughs> AF Mazone, drunk Flannery show. I, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. So, anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, after a few Padres W's. And, uh, dude, uh, Chris Paddock, perfect game today. Who yeah. knows? Uh, we'll see you guys next week. We're out of here. Yeehaw, baby.